Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Egger, the lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleagues, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we have an NWSL year in review for you and an update on everyone in the latest in league. Quick reminder, if you're joining us live, hit likes, follow, subscribe, comment, all that stuff helps out. Attacking third so much. Please subscribe to us on YouTube and give our videos a thumbs up. YouTube.com slash attacking third. I'm here. You're here. We sort of made it, Lisa. I don't know. We're still in holiday mode. <laughs> we are. And I'm actually like happy to be on holiday mode a little bit um, because I know everyone that listens to us are and they they are still on holiday mode joining us live. So thank you if you're jumping on YouTube early this morning with us. Um, We're so happy to have you here. Join the conversation in the chat. We want to hear from you, what you did over the weekend, um, how you're preparing for the new year, everything like that. But it, it's good to be back with you, bud, and, and chatting because uh, women's soccer doesn't stop. And there's always news. There's always things to chat about. And as we end the year of 2022, um, looking ahead to 2023, it's it's so nice to be reflective and look back at everything that was accomplished this year in women's football, in the NWSL, individually in players, um, at attacking third, what we did here and everything that that went on um, before we kind of flip that page and look ahead to 2023 to, to say like, hey, the draft, Oswald in, in our chat right now saying, they're excited for the chat for the draft coming up, um, as are we. But before we get there, we're we're gonna look back a little bit, right, and reflect on everything that's happened because it was a a big year for women's football for the NWSL, and a lot happened. But um, it's always good to be here with you, Sandra. I um, you know, we hopped on and we said, let's do this. Let's get ready to do a three. Still stuck in holiday mode. I still got my holly hat on. I might have some holly stuck in my throat <laughs> honestly i like listen listen you can't hide that kind of stuff when it's just there it's there coming to you live from the this is the a guest, podcast <laughs> yeah coming to you live from the guest bedroom like it's just you know it's that's how it's got to be when you're when you're in holiday mode still but I, i'm excited for this 
episode, I think you said it best because even in the days leading up to what can be considered like a holiday break for some folks, we got we we got some some chunks of, of news dropping along the way for for NWSL, and, and we want to talk about those uh, before we sort of get into our year in review. Because before we took a step back to to do traveling, to be with families and stuff like that, we had some some player news that dropped, um, and we had some head coaching, uh, you know, positions get announced, and we wanted to talk a little bit about those before we get into our year in review. We, we gotta we gotta start with this player. We gotta start talking about Dabinia because we actually that's where we last left everybody. We said we were talking about. Dabinia and you know things that we were hearing across the rumor mill and what that could mean for a player of her caliber what that could mean for NWSL and after we had that episode the breakup was was made official North Carolina Courage uh coming out with an official statement um with Dabinia she's quoted within this statement as well a little bit of a farewell saying official that she will not be returning to North Carolina Courage. Six seasons with the Courage, seven trophies, has been with the club since 2017, and now everyone awaits both 2023 and the decision uh, for where we're going to see Dominion play next. Yeah, when when this news dropped that um, she would not be returning to the club, it was definitely very large. <laughs> this is giant news, but I really don't think it was that surprising because at this point, um, the 31-year-old midfielder was a free agent in the league, and we knew that for the last several months, we knew that Dabinia was a free agent. And so often, um, some of these big free agents that were out there, if their teams were going to re-sign them, that was made very clear. You, you think of Christine Sinclair with the Portland Thorns Canadian International on the Thorns return home after winning the NWSL championship. Sinclair announced that she will be staying in Portland as her free agency uh, was available at that point. And for someone like Dabinia, who was the biggest person on my free agency watch list, um, I, I know we had talked about that a lot here on Attacking Third. And the fact that North Carolina hadn't announced she'll be staying and she hadn't said that was a little bit peculiar. So when this announcement came that she would not at all be staying in North Carolina, it was uh, pretty bittersweet, I think, for a lot of Courage fans because um, they – they wanted her to stay. How could you not want her to stay? But then as the rumors started to swirl about Davinia going to Europe and playing with Arsenal maybe, um, you have to imagine that – so many clubs were reaching out to her, wanting to pick her up and wanting to sign her. So as a player that of her caliber and at this point in her career, um, she's been an NWSL championship MVP in 2019. She's been on NWSL best 11 this past season. She went on a tear scoring goals. She's a veteran. She's a leader. Um, she's just such a tremendous player to have this um was not at all surprising, but we're still waiting right for that other shoe to drop, so to say, um, as to where she's going to go, what kind of contract she's going to get. Is she staying in the NWSL? Is she going abroad? These are giant questions that I am just waiting to be answered, but I I wasn't surprised she was not staying with North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a little bit of, of what we chatted about, like what's, what's going to come next for, for that player that she had already been, you know, when you're looking at, sort of the careers of some of these players, some of these like really superstar kind of caliber type of players, 
and how some of them have been with their clubs for X amount of years, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at sort of the the very long resume of there being just an NWSL with the courage, I've said that in the, in the previous episode that I don't think there's anything yeah. left for this player to prove, not only with that club specifically, there's, there's, I don't know if there's any ch- more challenges for a player like Dabinia with North Carolina. Uh, and would that possibly mean that she would be open to another, a different move to another club in NWSL for a different yeah. chance or, or in a different league altogether. Right. So those were, that was my biggest thing. This is sort of, I'm with you in terms of having that news kind of drop officially. It didn't, it didn't really, uh, shock us too much. If anything, it's just like, okay, well, this just means that we definitely have to, you know, remain on Dabinia watch for, you know, the next, I don't know, we're, we're doing this post Christmas. Yeah. We're doing this live on, on December the 27th. Look, if, if it is going to be an international move, uh, there's some international windows that aren't going to be open until January 2023. So there might not be, um, there might not be the news that drops, you know, ahead of that until it's actually open. So uh, it's, it's something that we're going to continue uh, to keep an eye on for sure, but had to kick off the episode uh, with chatter about that first. But there was also some head coaching news that dropped along the way. Houston Dash also doing everyone a real solid and saying, hey, we're, we're going to let you all know that there's going to be some, some head coach news coming your way. They, they put, out, put everybody on notice. And then uh, they went ahead and made the announcement that uh, Sam Lee is going to be the official head coach of the Houston Dash. And i got to say, just off the bat, really like this move. Thought it's a good head coaching hire for the Dash. The the Laura Harvey coaching tree, you know, the branch grows again by, by one. It's a, yeah. it's a big deal and a good, good, good pickup, right? Oh, this is a huge, huge pickup. Um, I, I love that Houston uh, went out and got a, a coach like Lady who has been in the NWSL for over 10 years, right? And and also with O.L. Reign, a, a club that has seen a lot of success, has also seen a lot of hardship. So this is a coach that's been through a lot and in the NWSL, and that experience is priceless for a coach like this, especially going into a team like Houston Dash that has uh, won their first championship in 2020 with the Challenge Cup as a club. They they made their first playoff berth this year in the NWSL. So this is a, a Houston Dash club that is on the climb. They're taking steps forward, and in order to keep those steps moving forward, you have to hire a coach like Sam because um, if you hired someone that wasn't at all in the NWSL before, they, it's a bit of a learning curve. So at this point, they're, they've already got a, a step ahead. They've already got a head start on what they can do this year because, um, as you mentioned it, it's the Laura Harvey coaching tree. And in coaching, where your branch comes from is so crucial and important. And, and being under um, a coach like Laura Harvey has – taught someone like Sam Lady so, so many things. Even after this announcement dropped, of course, Houston giving a big celebratory welcome uh, as the fourth head coach in Houston Dash history. But then O.L. Rain also putting out something very personal and very sentimental on their social media for a coach like Sam, um, whether it was a players coming on and saying, hey, you, you've been here for 10 years and you changed, you made this game better, you made me better as a player. And then Laura Harvey just uh, being so 
honest and vulnerable in, in wishing Sam the best of luck moving forward and how much she's going to miss him, but also how great it's going to be to play against him and play against a team like that. This is how um, it, the league grows and it continues yeah. it, to evolve. And I am, I'm really excited for Sam. I'm really, really excited yeah. for Houston because they lost one Carlos Amaros to Gotham. And that was a coach that I was like, Hey, this, this guy could be here for a bit. He could make changes. But now when I look at, who they were able to get in Sam Lady, this this is going to be really, really big for Houston. Yeah, I think it's a – I mean, look, we, I think that's what people were looking at immediately, I think, in this hire. Um, the reaction from players that he had coached over the years just out of Seattle and their reaction to the news of him moving on to an official head coaching position, um, it was plentiful, right? I think that's what folks were looking at. I think it was a similar reaction to – when Gotham did hire somebody like a Scott mm-hmm. Parkinson, someone who was also um, on the sidelines with Laura Harvey for a very, very long time. Um, all of the, the good energy around those types of hires. Um, and just like really sort of looking at that 2021 season for Olo Reign and how they found themselves in a very, very interesting crossroad in terms of the results that they were trying to string, to string together or lack thereof, right? They weren't getting a lot of wins in that first half of 2021 season. They made you know they made a move to to get Laura Harvey to return back with the franchise after you know terminating the CD from from his head coaching position, and Sam Lady had to step in until Laura Harvey came back to the states you know after Olympic duty with the United States Women's National Team, and you could really see that is when that turnaround in 2020 happened really happened. Mm-hmm for all rain and Laura Hardy just kind of came back in and said, okay, let's, let's all go together. And they made that push to second place in, in the league. So you could sort of see that this, this is a coach that was primed for the next step for years. Oh, already, completely. Really. So yeah. to sort of see, to see this, you know, finally happen um, for him and to sort of also see that coming out of, of the, the, the press conferences and some of the reporting that's been done about it already, that it just, that it was time that it was time for the next step. And that next step was to actually, you know, be a head coach of, uh, of another team. Honestly, because he has had so many different roles. I mean, yeah, when Harvey wasn't there, he became interim head coach, but he's also coached under, uh, at the international level, level under Vlach Wanonofsky for U.S. Women's National Team. He's been with United Soccer coaches on their staff. So this this player, this coach, excuse me, has a lot of experience at a lot of different levels in a lot of different roles. And this was the natural progression for someone like him. I think Houston's really lucky to have him to see kind of what changes he can make heading into the 2023 season. Um, if he can get this Houston Dash side to return to the playoffs for a second year in a row, make that, that run go on. A, a bit of a tear it'll be a, a big test right a lot of eyeballs on someone like Sam Lady especially as you enter into that Houston Dash community that is very passionate about their their women's football we'll see it's an exciting club to, to coach I think you've got you know Ebony Salmon Maria Sanchez you know involved in the attack they just they just secured that center back duo with you know resigning Prysock and, and she's going to be alongside Naughton you know um, holding things down in the back. So we'll, we'll see what uh, this next era of Dash football will look like under Sam Lady. But before we get into our year review, there's another little bit of news that we wanted to chat about that broke over, well, prior to the holiday weekend, 
news of Brazilian legend, not inter just international, but Marta is re-signed with Orlando Pride, announcing another contract with the Pride for two more years, has been with the Pride since 2017, in the process of uh, coming back from an ACL injury, mm -hmm. but this is still... Again, another bit of massive news that we got before the holidays. It was like Christmas. Christmas came early. It was. It was you know like staying in NWSL, Martha. <laughs> it was like a little Christmas gift uh, that not only in the NWSL but with Orlando Pride, a club that um, she has been the leader of and been a veteran of, and. and after tearing her ACL right like the second, third game of Challenge Cup, I, I don't even remember. It was so early on in Challenge Cup, the second game, um, and being out for the rest of Challenge Cup, the rest of the regular season, it the only like positive thing was like, okay, she'll be back for the World Cup. She'll be back for next season. Yeah. Um, because of how early it was. But so fans didn't even get to watch her last year. I mean, uh like 120 minutes is not enough time to watch the legend play, especially in Orlando. So she'll be back, especially a two-year deal for uh, this 36-year-old international. She is the legend. And this is her year, right, for Brazil to go to the World Cup, for her to make big waves in Orlando, in the NWSL, re-signing with the club, staying at home. I mean, this is this is huge. This was a big announcement. It was like almost as big as Dabinia not staying in North Carolina, right? Because it was like back-to-back -back news breaking of these huge players, both Brazilian internationals about what they were going to do um, in the NWSL. And I know Orlando Pride fa fans were just ecstatic to know that Marta would be staying. I mean, that's a huge positive for the club. I think it was a little bit like... Um maybe like a, a flip, like in terms of perspective on like two players who, yes, play as teammates for the same national team with Brazil, but who are like sort of in different phases of their right. career, right? So I think there's that common thread of neither player has a ton to prove, but in different, like maybe different areas, right? These are two players who are obviously still, still chasing things like a, like a world cup title or international titles like that, right? Winning Copa America is, you know, already they, they, they sort of won certain things, even as international teammates, but there's things in NWSL that, that Martha is, is probably still trying to, to chase that maybe the Binha doesn't need to chase anymore. Yeah. Um, and just like I said, in different phases. So you've got like, you've got a Divina who is 30, looking to maybe try to get some different recognition. And unfortunately it's it's pretty glaringly obvious that for a lot of players who are maybe chasing global um, accolades are finding that they need to play in Europe in order to okay. achieve those things. I know folks, it's the end of the year. So you're starting to see a lot of end of the year lists come out and folks are feeling you know, are seeing the CONCACAF disrespect yeah. or the CONMEBOL disrespect on like players that aren't very high on lists who play in these specific regions. Um, and you do have to wonder a little bit if a player like Davinia does go overseas, if she starts to get some of that respect or recognition that she should already have because of the amount of success that she has had with NWSL and, and Brazil, right? Coming off of a Copa America Femenina uh, title, you know, at, th at this point, just just in this past year mm -hmm. alone. So um, I am curious to, to sort of see what the return of Marta looks like in 2023. 
for Orlando Pride because I thought she also served a very um, unique purpose for the Pride and for NWSL. I mean, this is, we're talking about, when you're talking about Martha, you're talking about probably the greatest women's soccer player to have ever oh, yeah. graced the pitch. Um, and not only that, you're talking about a player who has had a hand, a role, a boot, a cleat in, um, you know, sort of helping raise the and elevate the, the profiles of certain leagues across the league, uh, across the world as well. And I think with Orlando able to get Martha to NWSL, it was another opportunity um, for this player to sort of elevate just not only that club's profile, but the league's profile um, as well. And, and that 2017 that she had with Orlando was, you could just, you saw immediately what the impact of, of that player can do, even though she's been in a different phase of her career for the last few seasons already. But that was the first and, and last time we ever saw the pride in the mm-hmm. NWSL postseason. Um, and she kind of had one of those, those breakout MVP caliber seasons. So I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what Mm -hmm. Seb Hines, this current group of Orlando pride, what they look like with, with Martha healthy and available. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I think the way you said it, that there are probably still some things on Marta's bucket list that she wants to check off as to kind of what she can do with Orlando, taking them back to the playoffs, uh, probably lifting an NWSL championship. And and with a two-year signing, um, I think that gives a little bit of light to, to Orlando fans to know that it's not just 2023, but it is 2024. And this is a, a two-year stint where this team can really turn themselves around and have a bit of consistency on the pitch, string together a number of wins throughout the entirety of a season, keep Seb Hines as their head coach the entirety of the season. There are a lot of um, holes maybe in what Orlando was trying to do, but keeping Marta, keeping her in, in purple in a pride kit, uh, remaining there. She leads the club in goals that she has 27. Um, this is a player that if the club wants to turn things around, wants to win a championship, wants to get back to the playoffs, this is a player in Marta that will do that for them. 100%. We're looking forward to it. Just a little bit of news, just tiny bits of news that dropped. Before the holiday, wanted to chat about that oh, with you, Lisa, and with everyone joining us uh, as always. But that, that's not all we're going to do today on this episode. We're going to do an NWSL year in review for everybody. So stick around. We'll be back right after a quick break. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing. To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Let's chat about it. Let's chat NWSL 2022. Big year. Big, big year for the league. Um, It's hard to... It's kind of hard to wrap my head around the fact that we're we have to look back and and try to chat about uh, a 2022 that really held so much uh, within it, both you know on and off the pitch. And I think that's really when we're looking at the NWSL in 2022. That's that's kind of where we have to start um, because the way this NWSL season rang in. Um, was with history. Uh, And we're talking about the first ever CBA, the collective bargaining agreement um, that was struck at at midnight, you know, late hours just before players were officially set to, uh, you know, go ahead and register for for preseason or get things kicked off. Uh, It was a little nerve wracking. I remember sort of you and I saying, okay, so how are we going to constantly plan out? What, which way should we sort of, you know, kind of target this? But then all of a sudden, yeah, it rang in. We saw the news drop. We saw the tweets drop. We saw the the players' association, uh, you know, on January thirty first, saying, "Hey, it's official. It's gonna happen tonight. We're ratifying historic first CBA that they just still had to go ahead and and iron out some things, but that it was coming." Mm-hmm. And um, this, these negotiations that took course over really months, almost a year long type of negotiations. And I remember when this dropped, Lisa, all of the things that we were looking at within this CBA and how exciting it was mm-hmm. uh, to look through all of the wins that, that this, that this NWSL Players Association was able to point out and say, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. Oh, completely. I mean, even as you mentioned, like getting this signed before preseason, to me, that was a win for this league and for the CBA as they entered its 10th year because 2022 was the 10th year of the NWSL and to kick it off with a CBA that was um, the first of its kind, right? Raising the bar in terms of women's rights and and CBA in, in women's sports that was about to happen. And that's exactly what it did, right? It changed the salaries, the minimum salaries for these players and and what they were earning because it was pennies. They were being scraping by before. Um, and we heard from so many players that had been playing in all 10 years of this league saying that the first year to even this 10th year were dramatically different, but the signing of the CBA meant everything to them meant everything to these players for the future of the league, for the sustainability of women's professional soccer in the United States, just guaranteeing contracts and severance payments and, um, health benefits and parental benefits and childcare programs, free agency. We've been talking so much about free agency. That would not have been possible without the signing of the CBA. It's 
crazy to think about that it was about a year ago, right? The end of January that it was like, hey, this is actually going to happen. And uh, now here we are at the end of December, 11 months later, realizing that how much of a difference it made, what these players were able to um, have rights to, right? Even like anti-discrimination, anti-harassment policies being put into place. Some things that seem like they should have been there since year one, since day one, since moment one of this league that weren't there. And now there's also so many other things that are put into this that the players are so happy for and and that the players deserve. I mean, a a, a minimum salary, a minimum salary of 35,000, you know, for for players who who will now come into the league. Um, That was huge for the longest time. Uh, You know, and even when you look back at those, very early days, those year ones, those year twos of, of the league, and just how uh, abysmal uh, a minimum salary was. You're talking $6,000, $7,000. It's uh, tragic um, to think about. Um, but, I mean, you know, things like housing, transportation mm-hmm. that were involved in this collective bargaining or, 401, you know, the concept of a 401k, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not a concept anymore. That's a thing that exists for these players. You know, the things like parental leave, like you said, how do you have a women's uh, professional leave um, and not have something like a parental leave structure in place, uh, whether that's for, you know, birth or adoption? How many amazing right exist in these leagues who are you know went the route of adoption to grow their family you know so things like mental health leave there were all of these massive massive wins and I think that was one of my favorite parts Mm -hmm. um in in 2022 it wasn't just the fact that the CBA got signed and got ratified you know and signed into into effect but the fact that we were also able to celebrate that alongside so many players I mean we were doing team previews and, and anytime we were talking to a player about their team going into preseason or, or getting an update on their preseason, we were celebrating the CBA. We were like, Hey, like, let's talk about the CBA. What stands out for you? What were you most excited about? And it was cool to sort of get the reactions of players who have been here for a really long time and players who are sort of on, you know, the, the up and coming and, started their perspective and saying that, you know, like this isn't something that I have to fight for because mm-hmm. the players who came before me really laid that groundwork. So it was incredibly, incredibly um, special time. Historic is almost at this point, a year later, seems like almost too insignificant or small of a word to like yeah, really right. um, talk about its impacts. And I mean, we're already in another historic phase of that in which we're covering a free agency period, right? Yeah. Something else that, got included in that CBA as well. So um, I don't know if we'll ever stop celebrating that, uh, but it's nice to to talk about it in a year in review. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll stop celebrating it when the next one is signed in like five you. years and these players like continue that. to get more bonuses, more money, more rights, more protection. Uh, but the overall jubilee will never end. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think, you know, having the CBA get get passed, I think was also very exciting because 2022 was already setting itself up to be kind of an iconic year because it was also an expansion year for the league. They welcomed not just one, but two expansion teams into the league. We saw the arrival or the return of California to women's professional soccer 
in this country, San Diego Wave FC, Angel City FC, entered the fray for NWSL and uh, really did so. Really, really, really did so in a big, big way. We're talking about two teams that like made their you know entry and like left their impact immediately in this league. Totally. I mean, attendance records were broken. It was uh, the adding of these two teams, both of them in California, um, raised some questions. I mean, pe- people didn't know what was going to happen. That's that's players didn't know. Fans didn't know. Media covering it. You and I, we weren't sure how this was going to work. Because when you look at some of the attendance of other clubs across the NWSL, they're hitting a couple thousand every single game. So the fact that there could be two expansion clubs in, it's growing the league from 10 teams to 12 teams, both of them in Southern California, and for them to just smash it out of the water. And that's just in terms of like on paper and and what these clubs are able to do. Then when we look at the pitch and what they were able to do on the field, um, Angel City finishing middle of the pack at the end of the year in, in eighth place. 29 points in the in the 2022 season and San Diego Wave Casey Stoney's team ends up finishing third in the regular season they make a playoff run they host a playoff game because they're number third seed heading into the playoffs this was just it was like record breaking after record breaking after record breaking it was so fun to watch these clubs to see the players that they signed that was such an exciting part of last year going through the expansion draft with these two clubs the NWSL college draft to see Alex Morgan a player going home to San Diego where her family is and and to raise her daughter there to be happy playing where she wants to play in Southern California Kristen Press going home to Angel City Allie Riley playing with Angel City this the Everything that surrounded Angel City and San Diego this past year and adding these expansion clubs is just layers upon layers of positive things that happened for the league, for women's soccer, and for these players. I don't I look, I'm, I'm thinking back to when we're doing this year in review, but I'm also thinking back to when we did like way too early predictions. And we were like, you know, historically, like expansion teams need an adjustment period. Uh, we we were talking about a 2021 off season where Houston Dash was still chasing their first ever postseason appearance. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's tough. It's a it's a tough league to to try to make a postseason. And what was that going to look like for these two expansion yep. sides? And Angel City staying in it all the way to the very end, and 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 San Diego never falling any lower than third place on, on the table. Just very, very impressive all the way through. Uh it it set it set some some standards for them. It set the bar pretty high, I think, for both of those clubs respectively. So what they are going to look like in 2023 uh might be a little different. Uh we'll see if if San Diego continues to to build and build and build. We'll see if if LA, uh, you know, breaks through and, and, and gets to to the postseason on, on their end, but it was exciting. You mentioned Alex Morgan, and I think we got to stick with that a little bit because that was also, um, you know, in terms of players and their individual seasons with their respective clubs. I think this is a player um, that many were wondering, you know, what her season was going to look like with Alex Morgan. Going from Orlando Pride to San Diego, it was probably 
one of the bigger storylines in 2022, just in the sense of of the player that it was. But mm-hmm. it was also technically the third NWSL team that she was going to help build from the ground up. You know, we're talking about getting her start with Portland Thorns, a team that had never existed, you know, prior to NWSL, you know, with, with other women's pro leagues, you know, in the country. Um, then going to Orlando Pride, a uh, an expansion side in, in 2016, and now San Diego Wave. So it's just like, wow, like Alex Morgan is just really out here. NWSL, like, helping to build NWSL franchise profiles uh, across the league. And players who, you know, we're, we've been talking about throughout 2022, you know, unfortunately, maybe fitting in certain categories of, having to deal with, with injuries or making returns from um, different types of, of injuries uh, in, in the off season or mothers sort of making their return to form um, after going through pregnancy and sort of, you know, getting that schedule with, with being a mom and having, you know, their kids sort of, you know, connect with them as, as pro athletes and navigating the waters as, a, you know, a pro athlete navigates those type of schedules. So, um, to sort of see Alex Morgan go through this, and Oswald, shout out to you, hitting it right in the head here. Uh, I don't know if anyone could have predicted that this was going to be, 2022 was going to be Alex Morgan's best no. career year in NWSL. I never predicted that. Just kind of where she was going, and you couple that with the brand new expansion teams that historically have never done very well uh, in a growing league, and the fact that um, San Diego and Casey Stoney did bring in a player like Morgan who had built three teams, who understood that, who had been in the league for 10 years, who had played in other professional leagues, who has the caliber to and the name, right, to to put seats at this, to put fans in the seats at the stadiums. But it, it's so much more than that, right? It, it comes down to the training day in and day out, bringing that professionalism to the the other players on the team with rookies that are on this team, right? You look at how many rookies are on San Diego and what a player can do like this. And, and Sandra, you and I spoke with Alex Morgan early last year, um, about a year ago, about going to San Diego. It was really early in the season about kind of how this team was doing, what was developing there, why she wanted to go to San Diego and and what drew her to this club. And she talked about how she was really happy playing for a club like San Diego. And she was finally giving her all because of understanding the international schedule and understanding where the breaks would be and how much more time she would have training with her club team. And at the end of the year, Alex Morgan becomes the 2022 golden boot winner. Um, It's like insane. She scored the most goals throughout the, the, in the league 15 goals through 17 appearances for San Diego Wave. This was a player that just turned it on and never turned it off. And there was a moment there where there was a lot of skeptics being like, hey, Alex Morgan, you're only scoring penalty kicks, but a PK is still a goal. It still counts. It still helps your team win the game. That, to me, doesn't matter at all. But this is a player that took everything that was being thrown at her and turned it all around and did have her best year in the NWSL this year. I'm just smiling listening to you talk I about know. it. Just because it's like we're getting like we're getting a chance to reflect on on the work that we did throughout the year as well. And you know, we we talked to Alex Morgan a, a few times over the course of the 2022, but that very, very early one was I think kind of set the tone right away, just sort of how yeah. she was feeling and 
and what she kind of wanted like for herself with with San Diego is as well and um you know you we we joke about like not who who could have predicted right but I'm sure if you like ask any of those players in the locker room they were like we did we knew yeah, we were gonna we like, make we knew we were gonna have a historic season and we knew we were gonna do this you know so that's um very very excited to sort of watch all of that kind of come to life and and have that you know have that sort of same mindset no matter what what phase of the career those players were in whether it's somebody like an Alex Morgan or if it was someone like a Sophia Jakobsen or Naomi Girma or a Taylor Pornyak you know so um very very cool to see uh Alex Morgan go on the run that she did and you know ahead of a world cup that's that's not uh it's not a bad timing uh for one of your uh, biggest players sort of had that kind of uh, club year uh, but let's also chat a little bit about who actually, what team actually got there at the end. We got to chat a little bit about Portland Thorns and their season and their NWSL championship run. This team making it back to the NWSL championship for the first time since 2018, lifting the trophy for the first time since 2017 and earning their third ever NWSL championship title. What a season. What a season for Portland Thorns. We had to highlight them because this is a club that had a brand new head coach in Rian Wilkinson, first time in the league, first time with Portland as as a coach after they said goodbye to Mark Parsons, a coach that had had left a legacy at this club. And then they go on this incredible run. We saw the return of Crystal Dunn with Portland Thorns. We saw players like Yasmeen Ryan stepping up and taking on new roles. Olivia Moultrie with this club uh, being one of the youngest to score and break records there. I mean, it was almost like a storybook season and ending for Portland Thorns throughout the entirety of 2022 because we talk about Alex Morgan and the incredible year she had. You have to look at someone like Sophia Smith in that sense as well because being on Portland and, and what she was able to do with uh, Becky Sauerbrunn and, and Megan Klingenberg and Christine Sinclair up top um, – Overall, this club was was just tremendous to watch. And despite some of the hardships that Portland went through off the pitch with their ownership, with their CEOs in the front office, um, as soon as they crossed the white line and they were playing soccer, it, it changed for them. They were electric. They were fun to watch. And for them to, to lift the trophy for the third time, for the first time since 2017, being back in the final, and then just dominating that NWSL championship. We can't forget that. They came out and it was the Sophia Smith show. She just went on a tear so and went on a run. Like it was so fun to watch. We're smiling, talk about Alex Morgan. Now we we transitioned to Portland Thorne, Sophia Smith, and we're just smiling ear to ear. You have to. I uh there's so many players that we can look back at 2022 and sort of look at and say like this player had this type of breakout season or this player had like this type of comeback season. And I think when you look at Sophia Smith from the beginning of 2022 all the way to its to its end, every single month you're looking at this player and you're going, there is an MVP caliber storyline that is developing here with mm-hmm. Sophia Smith. That I, I don't think that ever left that player's narrative throughout 2022. And she, you know, closing it out as league MVP as uh, championship finals MVP, 14 regular season goals, just one short of like, you know, 
tying Alex Morgan and having it come down to assist, you know, for the tiebreaker. But 15 goals overall because scoring that goal in the championship final, hitting the shrug celebration, just like absolute legendary stuff. Like the stuff that we're going to actually look back on again and say that this was just the beginning for Sophia Smith. And I think for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways out of 2022 as well, that it wasn't, yes, it was an incredibly special year for Sophia Smith, both, both for club and country. Um, but for me, I think that's, that's the biggest takeaway from this is that it's actually just the beginning. It, it is 100% just the beginning for the 22 year old uh, to yeah. have this type of breakout season, dual MVP. And uh, for those that missed it, we did a big giant us women's national team year in review as well, where we spent a significant portion of that episode talking about a player like Sophia Smith, because for club and for country, she had a a breakout year. And at 22 years old, if this is the type of performances and the type of consistency we're getting from Sophia Smith, just imagine what we'll get when she's has four years being a professional four years on the national team, five years in the next six, five years for Sophia Smith, we are going to see this player grow and, and develop and continue to, move that bar higher and higher. And for me, that is so exciting to know that we don't even know the ceiling of a player like Smith. It, it, we don't even know her focus, her commitment, her dedication, her professionalism, her teammates talk about it. The coaches that she has and have and had have in the past all talk about Sophia Smith and, and her dedication, her professionalism to want to be the best player in the world. And when you see her perform the way she did with Portland, with the United States in 2022, you know that um, she has a very high ceiling. Oh, absolutely. She's out there playing with like a level of confidence, um, you know, that you see from, from players who are like 10 years older than her, you know? So it's a, it's a ex- very exciting time. Uh, it was incredibly special to, to witness, cover, analyze critique talk about you know with with attacking third um and now we're looking ahead to 2023 and we can't wait to see what's next uh for Sophia Smith uh but she while she was like continuing her to build on her very very early uh legacy she was you know delivering some some L's unfortunately to the opposition Kansas City current uh and the losing end of this and the resale championship final Let's talk about that a little bit, though. Uh, this franchise and their journey to this point, um, again, another one of those things that I don't think anybody predicted uh, going into the 2022 season. We're talking about a Kansas City side that uh, entered NWSL in 2021 as an expansion side, um, absorbing a Utah Royals uh, franchise that was undergoing as a sale uh, with the previous owner and entering into NWSL under a temporary uh, crest, a temporary logo, just temporary name. And then 2022, really bringing it on, they unveiled their Casey Current, had their official crest. Uh, we heard about all these amazing facilities that they were putting together for their players, whether it was the construction of uh, state of the art training facilities or uh, they're they're soon to 
uh, to arrive NWSL specific soccer stadium that's slated to arrive sometime in 2024. Um, but in the meantime, playing their games at Children's Mercy Park. So making the move from a baseball field to a professional, fully prof- uh, professionalized yeah. pitch um, and making some offseason moves. We were a little curious how that was going to look because they kind of rang in their offseason last year, signing Sam Mewis, signing Will Williams. We were like, okay. Maybe Kansas City might go and do some things here. We predicted them in our early rankings as a top five finish. Top five, yeah. And they ended up going all the way to a championship final. It was such a Cinderella year for Kansas City because in their first year in 2021, they didn't even have a name. They didn't even have a crest or colors until the final games of the regular season in 2021. And they finished dead last um, of the league. And like uh, – kind of a pitiful dead last because they weren't able to pick up wins. They did go on a bit of a a tear at the end where they were just taking points off of other teams. But the complete turnaround for the 2022 season was exactly what this club needed and what the league needed because they got a new head coach in Matt Potter. They drafted some incredible rookies, which we will talk about. They, They had a confidence in the players that they had, whether it's AD French in goal, Kristen Hamilton up top, Lola Bonta in the midfield. And then they traded for some incredible players, right? They, they had, um, players in, on the pitch, CC Kaiser up top with Kristen Hamilton. They filled the holes that were absences by Sam Mewis and Lynn Williams getting injured. So for this Kansas City side, they they then go on to make it in, in, this far in the playoffs by defeating Shield winners, O.L. Reign, um, and getting two goals over them, getting a shutout. This was a team that just had so much belief in themselves that they were really fun to watch. So many people started cheering for Kansas City in 20. 22 because they just wanted to see them win. They just loved the celebrations from Lola Bonta and the young team and and how they were just going out there having fun, right? Going out, having fun and to make it all the way to the championship after finishing in dead last the year before speaks to a lot of, uh, I think, what the club is doing off the field in in their ownerships and developing a culture of a winning mentality and saying that you're professionals, you're going to get your brand new stadium, your own training facility, your own stadium. Um, you're going to have the support of the city behind you because that city turned teal before the championship uh, in support of these players. And it was just really fun to watch them go all the way to the championship. And, and of course, a little bittersweet for them to end up losing at the end of it. But um, it it was incredible to watch this Kansas City side this year. Uh, Kansas City, surprising a lot of folks, I think, maybe not us. Uh, but I think with the moves that they made last year, they're also continuing to make some moves this year in the off season. And uh, I'm hopeful that they'll have another successful run in 2023. We'll keep an eye on it for sure. But you know what? We got to close out with the rookies in 2022. I think that was another really, really big storyline in the NWSL 2022 season. We could just rattle off a ton of names and they're all from different clubs. Sam Coffey, Naomi Gurma, Alex Loera, Diana Ordonez, Savannah DeMello, Jalen Howell, Amira Ali, Michaela Clough, Olivia Vanderjaak, Kelsey Turbo, Caroline, Jill Aguilera, Ava Cook, Sarah Griffin. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on and on, right? I mean, 
my goodness, we're talking about like a Red Stars team that fielded like, you know, six, seven rookies at one point. Um, so many different first-year players getting a lot of time. Um, Naomi Gurma, my God, going on uh, the run that she did, her performance, earning her yeah. rookie and best defender, you know, just incredible, credible classes here. This was such an incredible class. And even when you look at some of the players that got drafted, Alex Aware was a late, late round draft pick last year and a huge pickup for Kansas City. Uh, I think so many questions were asked of this rookie class in 2022 because of it being a, a landmark year with the CBA, being in the 10th year in the NWSL. Um, a lot of questions were asked of these players to kind of step in and, and help their team contribute from day one. And so often we don't see that being asked of, of rookies. They are, they're off the bench players. Of course, you get the stupid superstars that come in and start every game. But this was a, a draft class that was so incredibly talented and they contributed on the pitch every single day. I mean, it, you look at someone like Gurma, of course, who is uh, rookie of the year and she goes on with San Diego under Alex Morgan to do so many great things. But even someone uh, like Michaela Clough at Orlando that got a lot of consistent minutes on a team that faced a lot of injuries, a lot of heartache, a lot of losing their coach early in the season, having to get an intern coach stepping into there. And this is a player that was had so many things thrown at them and still continued to perform on the pitch every single day. I, I loved this rookie class. I really did because of all the talent we got to see. Remember the run that uh, Savannah DeMello and Jalen Howe went on with Racing Louisville in the middle of the season? They were just getting assists, getting goals for one another. They were combining so well. They looked like they were having so much fun. And I love to see that, um, especially from rookies that do have a lot of pressure on themselves. I mean, Diana Ordonez, she ends up going on this incredible offensive run for North Carolina, scoring all these goals and back-to-back-to-back games, getting braces, and and just the records that she continued to break throughout this year. It, it was one of the best NWSL rookie classes that I think we have seen in a really long time and that we might see in, in a while. 100%. Mic drop. I love that. We're going to end there. Thanks, everybody for joining us on Attacking Third. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can catch us too on YouTube. Subscribe at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. Like, follow, subscribe, leave comments. We want to hear from you. This was Attacking Third. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.